So, all right. Well, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the word this morning. Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I don't know um, how people are coming in this morning, whether we're tired, uh, whether we're distracted, um, whether we're in a good mood, whether Easter was great and we just rode the wave all week. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd meet us in the space that we're in today. Lord, I pray that you would uh, encounter us um, like you did to your disciples after you rose from the dead, right in our confusion, distress, loneliness, whatever it is, God, you want to meet us there, so I pray that you do that in your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. So this Easter season, we've been in this series called Jesus for Us All. And the idea of this series is that through Jesus' death and resurrection, he drew a circle around the whole wide world and said, this is mine. And that includes you. And the only thing that would separate us from Jesus' circle would be our own heart, would be belief, that we are included into Jesus' circle if we believe, if we put our faith in him, if we believe he is who he said he is. And so today we're going to talk about how Jesus is for you, even if you feel discouraged or defeated. Even if you feel discouraged and defeated as a Christian, wherever you're at. There are times in our lives where we feel like we've messed up to the point where we should just give up. Like, it's not worth going forward. Um, I'm, I'm tired. I'm weary. Uh, I don't think God is doing anything. I'm going to give up. I feel that way a lot whenever I choose to go fishing. I think, why did I come here? Why am I out here? It sounds like a great idea. I used to do this a lot when we had babies. Be like, I'm going to get out of the house. I'm going to go down to the river. We lived in Montana for a period of time when we had, we had babies, so it was really tempting to go out get on the river. Bonnie loved it. Every time I went fishing, just sang to Bonnie's heart, yes, you're going to leave me with the babies. That's great. And I'd go out, and many times I'd go out and catch nothing. And I'd reach a point where I'm like, what am I doing out here? I am wasting my life. Out here on the river, I'm not catching anything. And on the way home on those days, I'd be tempted to go by the store and pick up a salmon and put it in my cooler or something, because I felt so worthless as a fisherman. I'm like, God, you don't want me to be a fisherman. Otherwise, I'd be having a lot more success than I am right now. <laughs> so do you ever feel frustrated, though, with your performance as a Christian? Like, man, I, can, I just can't get it right. Like, I just, as much as I try, I have good days, and then I have a whole lot of bad days. It's just really, really hard, and it's easy for us to feel defeated as Christians. It's easy for us to get in a place where, man, I just, it's too hard. I want to give up. And I want to remind you this morning that that's where our enemy would like you to be. He would like you to feel discouraged. He would like you to feel defeated. He would like you to feel stuck and helpless. But that's not where Jesus wants you to be. That's not where Jesus wants you to be. So where do we go when we experience discouragement or even defeat? Over the pandemic, you guys remember the pandemic? <laughs> it happened. Um, there was a lot of discouragement and defeat in the pandemic, right? There was a lot. And the pandemic did weird things to people. 
one of the things it did to me is I started to enjoy country music. Never really listened to country music before, except when I was a kid, and I was like, I actually like this. Like, it's good. I'm, I'm digging this. I'm into it. Pandemic was a good time for country music, because what I realized about country music is that, like, it speaks to the discouraged heart. You know that? It, often it speaks to the discouraged heart. And my favorite country song of all time is I'm Gonna Miss Her by Brad Paisley. Anybody know that song? If you don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it with you. It's so good. But it's a song about a guy who's so into fishing that his, his wife gives him an ultimatum. Like, you go fishing today, we're done. And the guy can't help himself. And uh, so anyways, he's in this point of decision and there's this long pause in the song and then he says, well, I'm going to miss her when I get home. I love that line. It's so funny. Bonnie loves that line, too. Um, and it's so funny. But it captures the heart of someone who's just given up. Like, you know what? I'm just going to fish. Like, that's, that's what I'm good for. And, uh, and he gives up. And, you know... He's a defeated guy. He's just like, you know what, fishing, I'm a fisherman. That's what I'm, that's what I'm destined to do, even if I lose my wife in the process. And I was just thinking about that idea and, and how that applies to our faith sometimes. Like, I know there's blessing in being, spending time with Jesus and going to church and being around Christians, but, but I like what I'm doing over here. Or I'm too tired or I'm too weary. And we just kind of give up. Like, I know Jesus has great things for me. I know I'll be blessed if I, if I go and serve my neighbors. But man, I'm just, I'm tired. But you need to know today in this story that we're going to look at is that Jesus rescues defeated fishermen. Jesus rescues defeated fishermen because after Jesus died, after he rose again, he went to visit his most defeated disciple, at a lake. And he finds a guy who was once his closest follower who dramatically failed him, epically failed him. And now this guy is defeated and he's decided he's going fishing because that's what he knew. He knew fishing. So that's what he was going to do. And his impulse is just to go back and go fishing and forget the last three years that he had spent with Jesus doing amazing things, miracles, preaching, seeing God's glory. He's like, ah, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to get on the boat, and I'm going to go fishing. And so the question as we look at this story today, what I want to look at is this. What does God do with discouraged and defeated people? And at times, this is all of us. What does God do with discouraged and defeated people? And you might be here today, and you might not be in this place. You might be in an awesome place with God. And if so, I want to celebrate that. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are to celebrate with those who are growing in their relationship with Christ, who are experiencing the Holy Spirit, who are experiencing God work through them. But no matter where you're at in your faith, discouragement and defeat are always lurking around the corner. We can be on a high with God in one moment and then completely discouraged in the next moment. For some of us, this might really sing to you, like I just sang to you. Um, 
This might really sing to you. It might be a big deal that you're actually here this morning. Like, it might have taken a lot of effort just to, just to be in a church. And if that's you, that's, that's a victory. That's something to, to celebrate as well. Because what our discouragement and defeat wants us to do is push us towards what we know, our defaults, our default way of living, our human way of living. And sadly, sometimes that pushes us away from God's people, and it also pushes us away from Jesus himself. It can push us away from Jesus himself. So if you find yourself in a season where you feel discouraged this morning, I hope what you'll see in this story is Jesus' heart for you. Not just for one disciple, but for you. So we're going to open up to John 21, and this is a, a fairly lengthy story. I want to read it so we have an idea of what's going on. We're going to break it up a little bit, but we're going we're gonna to read a fairly lengthy passage here. So let's listen to the story. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not, not far off from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord Jesus. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So the story opens with Peter, Simon Peter, and a, uh, a bunch of other disciples, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, and it gives two unnamed disciples uh, along with them. And we already know that they've encountered Jesus twice. And the last time they encountered Jesus was in the upper room, and the, and the character in that story whose life was changed was Thomas. Thomas was the doubter. Thomas was the one I'm not going to believe until I see his hands and his feet and the nails in there. And so Thomas just went through that, where Jesus came and he showed him the, the, the nail holes in his hands and the nail holes in his feet. And Thomas believed, and Thomas worshipped God in that moment. He says, my Lord and my God. But this isn't about Thomas, this is about Simon Peter. This is about what God wants to do 
in Simon Peter. Peter, as you might know, is Jesus' right-hand man. He was the first to believe and declare that Jesus was the Son of God. He was with Jesus on the mountain during the transfiguration, which is when Jesus revealed the glory of God to his disciples. He was the only disciple to walk on water. And now we find Peter is the most defeated disciple of the entire group. He's defeated because he betrayed his Lord. The, the, the night that Jesus, before Jesus went to the cross, uh, Simon Peter betrayed Jesus three times. And he said he wouldn't. He declared his, his undying allegiance to Jesus. And then in a moment of pressure, Peter caved. He caved three times. He said he didn't even know Jesus. He wasn't even willing to associate with Jesus at all because of a threat of violence on his life. And I think about Peter's story sometime, and I wonder how I would respond if I was in Peter's situation. You know, pressure pushes us, and pressure can affect our faith, and pressure either pushes us towards loyalty, like I'm going to dig in, or it can push us towards denial, like I'm, I'm done. In, in, in Peter's moment of pressure, he went to denial. His reflex was to protect his own skin and go to, uh, go to denial. And so our faith can either form us through pressure or break us through pressure. And so my prayer for our church is that when we encounter pressure, and if we experience any kind of violence or, or persecution, that it would draw us closer to Jesus and not far off. That we wouldn't give in to pressure, but that we would cling to Jesus when, when things in the world get really tough. Whether that pressure is physical or cultural, that we would cling to Jesus. Peter goes from hot to cold. And often in all our culture, there's another, there's another option, right? There's the lukewarm option that, that it was warned about in Revelation. That lukewarm's even worse because it means we're passionless. Like we're in a state where we're not like fiercely loyal or we're fierce, fiercely in denial. We're like somewhere in between. We're trying to make it all work together. We're trying to please everybody, and that's not a great place to be. That's not a great place to be. But when Peter was pressured, he didn't go lukewarm. He went cold, and he chose to disassociate himself from Jesus not just once, but three times, adamantly denying Jesus as someone, not just as Lord, but someone he even knew, and he blew it. And in that instant where he betrayed Jesus the third time, Jesus came around the corner and locked eyes with him, and in that moment, as, as Jesus had prophesied, a rooster crowed, and Peter broke in that moment because he realized his sin. He realized his betrayal, and it says that he wept bitterly. So Peter goes from once feeling really worthy of being a disciple, of being a follower, to feeling unworthy completely, like he's a failed disciple. And failing, whenever you fail someone, like a friend, it's never a good feeling, right? There's always that awkward first meeting, like, yeah, we got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> Imagine having that with Jesus. Right? Jesus, who just died for you, who's done everything. You can imagine the shame that Peter was feeling. This Jesus who chose you, this random person, to be his disciple. 
And so it's clear that as Peter goes out fishing, he doesn't see himself as worthy to be a disciple. He's ready to just go back to his old life, kind of forget what happened. And he takes his buddies and he goes fishing back to his old life. Back to a life that is missing the purpose that it once had. He's taking up his old purpose. He's kind of surrendered, like, I, I still believe in God, but I don't think he has a purpose for me anymore. And that's kind of where he's resigned himself to be. And maybe you've been there before, like, I believe in Jesus, but I think I missed the boat on my calling, my purpose. And, and let's see, what, what, what does Jesus do with that? Does, is, is, when we feel that way, when we feel like we've missed it, do you think Jesus is like, yeah, you're right, you missed it? No, look what happens here with Peter. What does Jesus do with his defeated disciple? He meets him at the lake. He doesn't even wait for him to come back to the synagogue. He meets him at the lake. Jesus shows up, and Peter doesn't recognize him at first. Jesus calls out while they're on the boat, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. So I love that they haven't caught any fish because you know what? Peter went back to his old life where he thought he could be successful and is now experiencing failure there. Like, Peter has become a sad sack (laughs) of Scripture. He is having a bad day. And so Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And then what happens triggers something in Peter's memory. He knew this had happened before in his life. This is actually how he came to know Jesus was through a miracle of a catch of fish that, that was that so many fish that it was sinking two boats. And so he throws the net on the right side of the boat and it says that they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And that's when John says to Peter, it is the Lord. It's the Lord. He, remember this, Peter? And so Peter is excited and he jumps out of the boat and he rushes towards Jesus. Peter had seen this before. Because that was the moment where where Jesus had called Simon Peter to follow him. That was the moment way back before Peter Peter really knew much about Jesus. Jesus revealed himself through the same exact miracle. And here he does it again. Here he does it again. He's bringing Peter back to the place where he first called him. Back to what he originally called him to do. It's great that Jesus doesn't just ask us to believe. He gives us a purpose as well. And that's always how it was for Peter. He called Peter by saying, you will now be a fisher of men. It's not just that you need to believe something cognitively. You actually need to live this out. This is your life's work. Now fish for men to call others to be part of my kingdom, to follow me. I have great life-changing, earth-shattering purpose for you. And so Peter has, is in a place where he's, he thinks he's lost that. And here Jesus comes doing exactly the same thing that he did when he first called him. Jesus met Peter with the same miracle Uh, that he had originally called him with. And it's an insanely beautiful way of saying, hey, Peter, let's have a conversation. Let's sit down. Come have breakfast. And what we know about that breakfast is that it was pretty silent. In fact, it says that they they didn't even mention that it was the Lord. They were thinking it 
but it was, it was so tense for them. Maybe there was shame for all of them because they all went fishing that they didn't say anything. In fact, the conversation happens after breakfast. Jesus invites Peter uh, to, uh, Jesus uh, talks to Peter after breakfast, and it says this. We're going to look at verse 15 here. It says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So in Peter's shame, Jesus restores him at the lake. The conversation begins, and Jesus asks him this really interesting question, do you love me more than these? What was he talking about? Do you love me more than these? He could have had his hand pointing anywhere. <laughs> like, that's, that's why we need video, right? And we, fortunately, camcorders weren't invented back then, so we don't know exactly. Um, but he said, do you love me more than these? And he must be either talking about the 153 fish that he caught or the other disciples that were with him. And I think it makes sense that he's talking about the disciples because before uh, this all happened, there was a, Peter had a very adamant moment where he said this. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 26, 33. This is at the Last Supper. Uh, things are getting a little intense. Jesus is talking about the cross. Peter says this in Matthew 26, 33. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So you would think that would quiet Peter down, but he doubles down. <laughs> and he says, but Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. I will never disown you. Then it says this, all the other disciples said the same. So it's not just Peter's shame here, it's the whole group, right? The whole group are making these big, strong oaths and then abandoning Jesus within a few hours. Peter was all in in that moment with Jesus. Doesn't matter what kind of pressure comes, I'm with you to the end. More than anybody else. All these other guys... Uh, all these other guys can run, but I never will. I'll die with you. He makes that declaration. He doubles down. And there's sort of this superior, superiority there with Peter. Like, he thinks he's the most passionate. He thinks he's the strongest follower. He thinks he can do it all. He loves Jesus the most. He thought he was the most loyal. I love Peter's reply to Jesus here at the lake because... He's matured a little bit. He doesn't say, yes, I still love you more than all these guys. He says, yes, Lord, 
you know that I love you. Comparison is gone. Peter's not trying to compare himself to anybody else. Now it's just him and Jesus. And now it's not him comparing himself to everybody else's love and level of devotion. It's like, no, it's just, it's just me and you, Jesus. He doesn't say, I love you more than these. He just says, I love you. You know I love you. And, and it takes humility to get Peter there. So Jesus calls him back to purpose, and he says, feed my lambs, which means teach. Teach my church. Teach your, my church about me. Teach people about me. Feeding lambs is teaching. And it's not just the call of pastors. It's the call of every disciple. Everyone who follows themse uh, calls themselves a Christ follower is supposed to teach others how to follow. Think about how you use your dinner table and your kids, if you have kids, or your grandkids. Think about how you use your dinner table. Is your Bible open on your dinner table? Is there a conversation being had about Jesus on your dinner table with friends or whoever? Jesus has called all of us to make disciples, and making disciples is not a one-pitch-you're-in type thing. <laughs> it, is, it, it is a lifestyle. It is, it is all-encompassing. And so this call is not only to Peter, it's to all of us as well. How has God wired you and called you to teach others about him? It's the call of every disciple. He says, feed my lambs. And that's not the end of the conversation. It says, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So now he's calling Peter to be a shepherd, to watch over others, to care for others. Peter would do that in a really grand way as an apostle leading the entire church, the community. So he has a specific call, but there's an element of this call in all of our lives. Are we loving our neighbor? Are we loving those close to us? Are we taking care of people? And this is the third time, and the third time Jesus speaks, this is what gets Peter, because he remembers that he denied him three times. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked the third time. And so he said, Lord, you know all things, you know I love you. Like Peter is like, you know, you know where my heart's at, you can see me, you know I love you. And this is probably Peter, as he says, he's grieved in this moment. He's feeling the weight of this shame that Jesus would, that he would betray Jesus three times. But Jesus isn't doing it to be cruel. He's doing, he's doing it to restore Peter three times. He's doing it to restore Peter three times. And now comes the hardest call to Peter, the call of surrender. That Peter would actually surrender his life for the cause of Christ. How much do you love me, Peter? Are you ready to surrender your life? When he talks about going where he doesn't want to go, he's talking about how Peter would, would die crucified upside down for the cause of Christ. Peter, are you all in? And he is. And so Jesus ends the tension with a simple call that Peter has heard before, but now it means something a whole lot deeper. Follow me. He brings him back to the point of following him. But you know what? Peter is a changed person from the first time he followed. Peter is deeper. 
Peter is ready for more battles. Peter is a, rest a restored disciple of God who knows the grace of Jesus in a huge way, a way that he didn't know it before, and a way that will transform everything about his life going forward. And Jesus restores him into his purpose. So my point for us as we close my take-home for all of us today is that Jesus calls us out of defeat and into the deep. Jesus doesn't want us to, to live in defeat, but he wants to use our times of discouragement and defeat to push us deeper towards him and to push us further into our callings and, and to have a deeper faith, a deeper love, and a deeper work deeper faith. Faith grows as we walk with Jesus daily. As we walk with Jesus on a daily basis, we grow in our faith. We trust him more, you know, because we have a track record with Jesus. Deeper love. When we know that God loves us continually, that creates in us a greater love for him. A greater and deeper love. And then a deeper work. We're able to do what God called us to do on a deeper level, uh, in a deeper way, in a more meaningful way. We know what God's created us to do, and it still hurts sometimes. It's still hard sometimes, but we know it's what God called us to do. And so if you find yourself in a place where you're in the cycle of discouragement, know that God wants to use that to call you deeper, to call you closer to help you grow closer to him. And that would be the message of the New Testament, is that through all of our trials, through all of the suffering that we go to, that we would actually, in James 2, it says, consider it joy, that we would find joy in the difficulty because we know we're becoming more like Christ. And that through our failure, we actually can connect with God on a deeper level. We can actually share in the sufferings of Christ. And so the pathway in that is surrender. Are we willing to surrender to the will of God and to the joy that he has for us, even when we feel defeated and down? So my question as we wrap up today is, where is your discouragement leading you? Is it leading you towards apathy, or is it leading you towards Jesus? Is it leading you closer to him, to desire God more and more? I think this affects everything about us as a church, because this is what I know. This is the work of God in a community of people. It's this. Instead of being a collection of discouraged people, Jesus makes us a family of deep people. This is the beauty of this work in community. Because we start out as a collection of discouraged people, and through Jesus, we become a family of deep people who are, are experiencing God on a deep level in a transforming way. And more than anything, I want to see that. I want to see Jesus continue to make us into a deep family that's connected through the joys and through the trials of life that can help us, uh, help each other grow through it. Because church isn't supposed to be a place where we stay in defeat or we stay discouraged. 
God's given us each other to encourage each other. And some of you here have the gift of encouragement, right? And so what I want to do today is a few weeks ago, and, and it does feel a little risky. I am going to ask you to be a little bit vulnerable today, but I just want to pray for each other. I just want us to find, find one or two people and just pray for each other. And if, there's, if you're experiencing some kind of discouragement in your life, to the level that you feel comfortable, share that. And what I want to do today, we're going to do that in just a second, but I want to invite Justin um, to, to just pray for us um, before we break into those groups, and then Brian's going to close us in worship. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you here as a church congregation. Lord, we thank you for our pastor Tyler and uh, brother in Christ that he is. Lord, we thank you for his words this morning. Uh, we pray that your spirit would move amongst us, that you'd go before us in, in this prayer time, Lord. We, we pray that as uh, Tyler's spoken, if there's any discouragement that we're facing uh, individually, uh, know it's collective as a church, and, and that we petition for each other, and we, we lift each other up, and we do that through prayer. And so I encourage you this morning, uh, church, through prayer, Lord, uh, that you draw things out of people's hearts and, and uh, that we'd be able to see your spirit move amongst this congregation, uh, break down the walls as Brian led us in worship, that reckless love. Uh, there's no wall you won't kick down coming after us, Lord. It's just our willingness to submit to you. So I, I pray that we'd surrender as a church to your will. I pray that through this prayer time that we'd uh, um, be engulfed by your spirit and, and that you'd speak to us and, and that we'd have hearts and minds that would be open to you. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this time. In your great and glorious name we pray. Amen. Lord, and if you guys want to go ahead and find somebody to uh, pray with, and just, uh, again, I encourage you guys to share a little, a little bit about what's on your heart. <laughs> 